history of music. Please turn with me to our scripture reading, which can be found in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 7 through 18. Again, we'll be in the book of Luke, specifically chapter 22, verses 7 through 18. And the page number for this passage is 1,121 in the Bibles that are found under your pews. Again, Luke chapter 22, and we'll begin at verse 7. It reads, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Have you ever wondered what went through the mind of Jesus as he partook of that last Passover meal with his disciples? What would he have been thinking? What might his attitude and demeanor been like? Did he know that he was about to die? Did he know that Judas would betray him? And if so, How would all of that be affecting him as he entered into communion with the apostles? Have you ever wondered? Well, we are fortunate for we don't need to wonder, we don't need to speculate as concerning what through the heart and mind of Jesus, for the Bible reveals it very clearly to us. But even more remarkable than the Bible revealing these truths to us, Jesus himself revealed his thoughts and attitude to the apostles during that very meal. Jesus expressed his thoughts, his intents, and his purpose as he ate that last Passover meal with his apostles. The setting, the stage is set. If you look at verse 14, and I'm actually just really going to be exegeting verses 14 and 15 this morning. The stage is set, and you can get the picture. The time had arrived to celebrate Passover, verse 14, when the hour had come. The hour is the hour of Passover. 
Jesus is stretched out, reclining at the table, verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table. He has relaxed. He's laid back. This is a customary position to eat a meal in that day. So it is not extraordinary. Uh, they didn't sit at chairs around a table as we would, but uh, they sat on uh, pillows, if you will, and kind of uh, leaned over and kind of reclined, and oftentimes on an elbow as they ate off of a very low table. But this is a rather interesting notation that it says that he reclined at table, not because it was unusual for the day, but because it was somewhat unusual for Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, there is an instruction that's given as to how to celebrate Passover. In Exodus 12, verse 11, the initial, the first Passover that took place as the children of Israel were getting ready to leave the land of Egypt and travel to the promised land. In Exodus 12, verse 11, we have this instruction. In this manner you shall eat it, referring to Passover, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. All of this was to anticipate the working of God, the way in which they are to be ready. They should be anticipation of leaving the land of Exodus. They're to be standing, they're to be having a belt around their loins so that they can move quickly, they're to have their staff in their hand, they're to be ready to go to follow the Lord as they eat of this Passover meal. Well, certainly Jesus is ready. Certainly Jesus is prepared. Certainly Jesus is anticipating the next step as he eats of this Passover meal. And then thirdly, as we look at this stage being set, the apostles are surrounding Jesus at the table, verse 14. And when the hour came, he stretched the table and the apostles were with him. The scene opens and Jesus is speaking, verse 15. And the Lord said to them, the Lord said to them. So here is this expression, Jesus revealing his thoughts his intents to the apostles. So our theme this morning is Jesus expressed his great desire to participate in this Passover meal with the apostles. What lessons can we learn from that? Well, first, Jesus expressed his desire to participate in this last Passover meal with his disciples. And we are emphasizing the words expressed his desire. Notice verse 15. He said to them, I have earnestly desired, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Literally translated, it would be, with desire I have desired. Uh, it is a re repetition of the same word. He said, I, I desire, I really have desired to eat this Passover meal with you. I've been looking forward to this event. Jesus had a sense of joy and a delight as he entered into this Passover meal. It was not a somber or sad occasion 
for Jesus. He was delighted. He was thrilled. He was overjoyed as in anticipation he had been awaiting this time when he could eat the Passover meal with his disciples. Now what's interesting about that is that he had this joy and excitement knowing full well of what was to follow, knowing very well of his death and sufferings. Jesus was very much aware of the intense suffering that he was about to face. If you look at verse 15, it says, He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you, and now notice the words, before I suffer. Before I suffer. He knew that suffering was going to come. Jesus knew what his end would be and all the events surrounding his death. Furthermore, Jesus had communicated those events and in particular the suffering, excuse me, that he was going to have to endure to his disciples on many occasions. For example, in Luke chapter 9, verse 22, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day rise again. Luke 17, 25. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So Jesus is very much aware. It's not as though that he's ending, entering into this Passover meal just totally oblivious to what's coming next. He knows. He knows. So his joy and anticipation is not a result of ignorance. Not a result of ignorance. Not because he is going to be unaware of all that's taking place. He's very much aware. Not only is he aware, but he has not put those things out of his mind. It is not as though for this period of time, as he eats the Passover meal, he's just going to departmentalize, all right? He's just going to put his death and his suffering out of his mind. He's not going to think about that. He's just going to think about eating this Passover meal with his disciples and enjoying the time they had together and just kind of pretending that all of this is over there and just put it out of his, his mind and out of his thoughts. How do we know that? Well, look at Luke 22, starting with verse 19. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is for you. It was forefront in the mind of Jesus as he ate over this Passover meal that he was about to die. This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. 
he realized that he was going to be departing. He's going to be gone. Verse 22. Likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus knew that he was about to die. Jesus knew that his blood was going to be shed. And Jesus kept that in forefront of his thoughts. As Jesus is partaking of this Passover meal, he is thinking about his death and he is thinking about the shedding of his blood and he is thinking about the suffering that he is going to endure. And at the same time he says, but I have been looking forward to this. I have been anticipating this night. It is with great desire, it's with great joy, it's with great anticipation that I am celebrating this Passover meal with you. Despite the fact that it was right before he suffered. Life can be bittersweet. Uh, sometimes we can look forward to events that uh, have some negative consequences to them. For example, a young person may be looking forward to the fall. Yeah, they might be looking for cooler weather. Uh, they might be having a birthday in the early part of September. They could be looking for a gift that they're going to be receiving. All kinds of things. And they could be looking forward to the fall. But it's also the start of school. And maybe they're not really looking forward to going back to school. <laughs> they're not looking forward to the homework. They're not looking forward to the bullying. They're not looking forward to this or that. And so it can be bittersweet. All right, looking forward to the birthday or looking forward to the cool weather, but really not looking forward to the going back to school. We shouldn't even understand that this is bittersweet. It isn't that Jesus is anticipating and looking forward to the Passover without anticipating and looking forward to his death for it. It is his death that he is explaining as he eats this Passover meal. So the question just begs to be answered, but why? Why wouldn't that be bittersweet? We can understand how he might want this last precious moment with his disciples, but centering upon his death and, and resurrection, how does that fit in in any kind of joyous sense? And we do know from other portions of scripture that as he thought about the cross, he despised the shame. So why not bittersweet here? Number two. Jesus is looking forward to sharing this Passover meal with the apostles. So now I'm emphasizing the word sharing. Sharing this Passover meal. And if you look at verse 15, it says, And he said to them, I have earnestly desired 
And now this is where I'm getting this point from this simple little phrase, to eat. To eat this Passover meal before I suffer. He's talking about the participation in this Passover meal. He's not talking about the explanation of the Passover meal. Now, certainly he was looking forward to that. He explains it. He says, this is the new covenant that is shed forth in my blood. But he, he doesn't say, I really look forward to explaining to you this Passover. He doesn't say, I, I look forward to teaching you. All that there is to unfold about Passover in this particular meal. I've just been waiting for this opportunity to open up and share God's word with you. He says, what I've desired is to eat it with you. To participate in it with you. To share in the experience of Passover with you. To eat the Passover meal was a celebratory participation with others. The Passover meal was never to be eaten alone. It was never to be eaten in isolation. It was always, with the emphasis on the word always, to be eaten with others. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 and 4, in the very first Passover, we have this instruction. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, all right, if you don't have enough people in your house to be able to devour a whole lamb, and I think the chances are pretty strong that you wouldn't, okay? Uh, unless you got some really big eaters uh, in your house or you got 40 or 50 people in your house, chances are you're not gonna have enough. But it's not just for the individual, it's not just for the head of the house, it's for everybody in the house. And if there aren't enough people to eat the whole thing, then it says, and if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. So they're to sit down and figure out how many people it's going to take to eat this whole lamb. And then they're to scour around and get enough people. All right? Uh, it starts with their own family members and it moves to the neighbors roundabout. Gather your neighbors together. It was intended to be eaten together. It was a mark of fellowship and a celebration. It was also a recognition that Passover wasn't just the deliverance of any one person, but it was the deliverance of the people of God. They were marching forth together. They were leaving the land of Egypt together. 
They were traveling to the promised land together. They would be living and dwelling in the land of Canaan together as a people of God. We celebrate communion with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Passover, as we know it, has ended. And so Jesus instituted what we refer to as the Lord's Supper, oftentimes referred to as communion. We get the word communion from the Greek word fellowship, and that's what the Lord's Supper is referred to in Corinthians. It's this fellowship. It's this participation. And communion celebrates, recognizes the fellowship that we have with God and with one another. All because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an eating together. Celebrating our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. So he says, I have desired to eat this with you. Third, Jesus was looking forward to participating in this particular Passover meal with his apostles. This particular Passover meal. Notice the word this in Luke 22, verse 15. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I supper. This Passover. Demonstrative pronoun. I would point out what the text does not say. Sometimes that's helpful. The text does not say, I have desired to eat the Passover meal with you. It says, I have desired to eat this Passover meal. This isn't the first Passover that Jesus ate with his apostles. He would have eaten at least three Passover meals with the apostles. Each one of those, I imagine, was wonderful. Each one of those was significant. Each one of those was important, but they paled in relationship to this one. There was something unique about this Passover meal. Something different from all the Passover meals that preceded it. Something that was unique in the experience that Jesus had with the apostles this night. Jesus said, I have greatly desired to eat this Passover with you. This Passover. So, what was so unique about this particular Passover? Again, we don't have to speculate. Again, we don't have to guess. We don't just have to pull our minds and come up with 32 different reasons as to why Jesus would look forward to this particular Passover. He tells us. And he tells us in verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. All that Passover intended to communicate and celebrate would be fulfilled in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm not going to eat this with you again 
until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The emphasis that Jesus placed is eating it again in the kingdom of God. Eating it again in the kingdom of God. He says, I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He says, there's going to be a break. I'm going to be gone. And I'm not going to eat this again until the kingdom of God is fulfilled. Look at verse 18. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So communion is an anticipation of the coming kingdom. It's an anticipation of what God is going to do in the establishment of his kingdom. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. So we celebrate in communion in anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes, we don't celebrate communion in the same way anymore. For it's looking forward to his coming. But what we're looking forward to is when he comes, he establishes his kingdom. He establishes his reign. He establishes his authority on this earth. And that's what we're looking forward to, and that's what we're anticipating. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me uh, to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. And by the way, we are in Revelation chapter 19 tonight. So if you want to hear more about this, come back. So this may whet a little bit of your appetite. Revelation chapter 19 is rejoicing in the establishment of Christ's kingdom. God's kingdom through the Lord Jesus Christ. Picking up at verse 6 of Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Think of the hallelujah chorus. Verse 7, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready, referring to the church. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This marriage supper, it's a feast. 
It's a feast in which the people of God, who are referred to here as the bride of Christ, sit down and feed with the bridegroom who is Christ. Here is the fulfillment of what Jesus is talking about. Here is the eating again. But this time in absolute celebration. This time in absolute victory. This time in the establishment of the kingdom. Everything that had been looked forward to, everything that had been anticipated is going to be fulfilled. And Jesus said, that's the next time I'm going to eat this. When my kingdom's established. And how's that kingdom established? Through his death and resurrection. And that's why it's not bittersweet. For his death and resurrection are significant. They bring about victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We who were in bondage to sin, as Israel was in bondage and corruption to the Egyptians, are set free. And as they were anticipating going to a land flowing with milk and honey, we go to a land that is filled with bliss and joy and delight. Lastly, Jesus looked forward to sharing this Passover meal with his apostles. Notice verse 15. He said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover, and now the words, with you. I'm back to Luke twenty-two fifteen. 15. With you. Now think about that. What a motley crew the apostles were. How disappointing they would be. They, they all would forsake him. <laughs> they would all abandon him. Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom. I will not eat this again until I eat it with you in the kingdom. No, look at the thoughts that that engenders on the part of the apostles. Starting at verse 24 of chapter 22. I'm back to Luke. Luke 22, starting verse 24. A dispute also rose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So when they heard about this kingdom, they said, I wonder who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Verse 25, he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest. And the leader is one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I'm among you as one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign you as my father assigned to me a kingdom. Verse 30, that you may eat and drink of my table in my kingdom. There is the blessedness. There is the joy. You want to think about what's great about the kingdom? It's not about which one of you is going to be the greatest. The best thing about the kingdom is sitting and eating and dining at my table. I am the king. It was an incredible privilege 
to be able to sit and eat with a king. Not only was it a privilege because you were in a place of honor, but it was a privilege because it was the best foods. The king had the best. And to be invited to feast with a king is amazing. And Jesus said, you are going to eat with me in my kingdom. That's the privilege. That's the joy. All of this is for you. Look at verse 19. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Verse 20. Likewise, the cup, after he had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you. The incredible love and commitment that Jesus had for his own. John chapter 13 says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them completely. Gave himself for them. John 14, 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house were many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The great joy is knowing that we are going to be with God. With God. The Passover was celebration of God's deliverance of the children of Israel from bondage and suffering in anticipation of their looking forward to the coming kingdom. As we participate in communion, we are celebrating the deliverance from pain and sorrow and heartache and misery and sin and the dominion of the evil one and looking for a time in which we are going to be in the presence of God, no more pain, no more suffering, no more dominion of sin over us, but the greatest aspect of the kingdom is eating and feasting with Jesus. Listen again to the words of Revelation. The angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's you and me if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. We sit and we eat, feast with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, rejoicing in his bounty, rejoicing in his provision, rejoicing in his sovereignty, rejoicing in his goodness, rejoicing that he is a king like no other. And this kingdom is so different than any that we know. We're going to eat with him. That's what communion is to celebrate. This morning, you have an incredible privilege, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, to be able to eat of this communion table that symbolizes a greater table. 
but it's going to be shared in the kingdom to come. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we ask that you refrain from eating from this table. Not because of any rule that we have, but because of what the Word of God teaches. But if you do not eat of this table because you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, understand the greater truth. And that is that you will not eat of his table in the kingdom. You will not have a part of the kingdom. His death, his blood, will not count for you. So this morning, first, do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Two, if you do, celebrate communion, thankful that you have a, a part in Anticipate the joy of this communion in light of the future communion of fellowship with the Lamb forever and ever. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for communion. We, we thank you for this great truth that through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can have forgiveness of sins and enjoy peace with God. We thank you that Jesus loved, looked forward to eating this particular Passover meal for all that it demonstrated, all that it realized. He was thankful to eat it with the apostles for he had eaten it again with them and with us when the kingdom is established. Lord, we celebrate communion proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes, proclaiming our belief in that kingdom, rejoicing and anticipating the greater feast that we will share in as we, in anticipation, share in communion. So bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask your brothers to come forward. We're going to serve communion.